So you've decided to give up that old behavior that's been killing you and all you care for and surrender to a power greater than yourself. That's the first step. Surrender is what opens the prison door. Now it's time to walk through that door and into a whole new way of life. Spirituality, self-care, service, social connection, and the simple daily disciplines that pave the way to lasting freedom. This is Positive Sobriety. Welcome to a brand spanking new episode of the Positive Sobriety Podcast, the very first one of 2021. Woo-hoo. Yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, I'm Nate Larkin here with my good buddy, David Hampton. Uh, I think we're approaching the end of the second year, about to inaugurate the third year of the podcast, aren't we, David? Yeah, it does, it does seriously seem like yesterday. I mean, doesn't it, that we were... Uh, doing these in person around microphones with Rex. <laughs> it was another life. <laughs> it was another life. Yeah, yeah. So now through the magic of the worldwide interweb, we're doing this thing. I haven't seen your face. I mean, I really, we haven't been in the same room now in months and months and months and months. I know, I know, I know. It sucks. And, yeah. <laughs> uh, and you are in Nashville. Ali and I are spending the month of January in Florida. So I, yeah, I am actually, well, and I'm actually in Franklin now, Nate, I have made a big move. Part of what's uh, held me up in the last few weeks is that I've been in the moving hell, but I'm done moving. (laughs) (laughs) You moved back to Franklin. You're walking distance from my house. So I left. I am. Uh, Yeah, (laughs) I am. And now you're off you know, sending your ass in some hot, warm, beautiful spot. Oh, uh, but yeah, it's, it feels good. I'm out of downtown Nashville. Um, I got out about four weeks before the bomb and, um, yeah. you know, oh, it just, uh, man, about six blocks from my house, uh, for where I, my building from where I used to yeah. live. And, um, so, yeah. Yeah, but I'm back in Franklin. I live in a nice little um, building that half of it's a boutique hotel and half of it's residences. Yeah, and um, and I have access to room service and housekeeping and all kinds of stuff. Um, although I haven't accessed any of it yet, um, mm-hmm. but um, in uh, cool little restaurants on the ground floor, and then the rest of us are you know floors above it. But uh, but I am I'm I'm within walking distance of your house. Yeah. So, hey. Did the Italian place open? It did. Yeah, I haven't oh, been there yet. It's got a brick oven, pizza oven. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, yeah. man. Just I, underneath I miss Franklin. Allie and I left Franklin on the 15th of December. Oh, and man. We, we, we are here in Florida until the end of January. Wow. Well, good for you. Good, good, good. You you guys need the sun and the uh, the rest. Yeah. And, well, we've got grandkids here, too. Our youngest grandchildren are here. Yeah, and uh, so that's been a wonderful thing, uh, and we are now Allie and I are we stayed a couple of weeks with our son, daughter-in-law, and grandkids in their house, and it was actually amazingly stress-free, very enjoyable, wonderful. But we're now in a tiny little apartment across the street from the beach in Amelia Island mm. uh, with the dog. I take the dog out onto the beach three times a day. Yeah, I've seen your pictures out there, just uh, kind of tromping around in the sand. So that's yeah. been nice. Uh, but I, you know, and I've, I'm grateful. I'm grateful for recovery. I'm grateful for sobriety. I do miss community. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm awfully glad that I'm still able to attend some meetings online, still in phone contact with my guys. So I, I get at least one, you know, uh, gut honest conversation a day. Right. Uh, uh, I, I hate to uh, speculate. Mm-hmm. about where where I might be without you know that help. Yeah. 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 Yeah, it's how, how has life changed for you moving to Franklin? Now you you know you lived you didn't live in downtown Franklin, but you were in 
Franklin for yeah, I was yeah, in the twenty the, years, right? Yeah, the suburban Franklin, uh, right, right, you know, right. all that. Yeah, um, you know, it's really great because um, it, it, for me, Franklin feels like home. Um, mm-hmm. it's a little, you know, for people listening, it's a little, uh, civil war era town, historic town, um, out just South of, of Nashville. And, um, but you know, main street Franklin is storybook. And I felt almost guilty at Christmas because I felt like I was living in a Norman Rockwell painting, you know, yeah. um, the yeah. trees, the street lights, everything is decorated. It's beautiful. It's very picturesque. And I would just, you know, take my dog and we'd go out for the the evening walk down Main Street or, you know, through the square and around. And yeah. um, and it's and it's just a very um, tranquil environment. And and while I love the city and all of that, you know, I don't miss, uh, you know, the Ubers and the uh, the loud uh, stuff that was always just, you know, right out on the corner and, mm-hmm. um, things like that. I just, um, uh, you know, I needed a, I needed a change and I'm closer to my little grandbabies, uh, that are just South of here. And, uh, my parents are aging and, um, closer to them as well. Uh, I'm probably 20 minutes closer to everybody that I need to, um, you know, be in touch with quickly. And, uh, so it's been great. I, I love it here. I'm still, you know, gonna, I'm still part of my St. A's, uh, Episcopal church up at Vanderbilt. I'll make the trek up there, uh, to be with them when they, uh, get to convene again. But, um, but living in Franklin has been a wonderful, uh, I feel like I can kind of take a breath. So, yeah. Yeah. Do you feel, let me ask you this, David. Um, I, I, Allie will tell, you know, she tells people that, you know, I'm not the same guy. She's been married to two guys named Nate Larkin. Uh-huh. Uh, and I, I actually think she's married, been married to about 10 guys. Named <laughs> because because yeah. I'm always kind of changing and growing. Uh-huh. Uh, do you feel like the Dave Hampton who's living in Franklin today is uh, different in, in, in any substantial way from the Dave Hampton who moved to Nashville a few years ago? Oh yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. Lots, lots of things. Um, I feel like, um, when I moved up to, up to Nashville, I needed that separation from what had been, what I, I guess for lack of a better term, my former life, um, yeah. you know, nothing wrong with my former life. It just had a lot of, um, things, um, that attached to it that I couldn't really make peace with and still live in a, in among it, you know, yeah, yeah, that yeah. makes sense. And, um, so, you know, vocationally, my life changed when I moved, uh, to downtown, I'd finally finished my credentialing and had just gone into private practice. And, um, so that was new. And, um, there was all mm-hmm. this, uh, personal change that happened. And, um, and I feel like now coming back into Franklin, I'm not, I'm not the same as the guy that left, but I feel like I actually feel more integrated and I have permission to be human. And I am a whole hell of a lot less concerned about what anybody thinks. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. You know, that's freeing. I mean, it's really very freeing. And I don't mean that in an in your face sort of way. I know it sounds that way, but, um, but I really am. I am just not, um, I don't, you know, I don't, what you think about me is none of my business. <laughs> <laughs> That's so you've gained in self-acceptance. Uh, we've got, we've got a guest this week that yeah. is really going to help us to explore this whole concept, this area of growth. Uh, something that some of us have been conditioned to be a little bit afraid of. We're kind of trained in self-hatred. Uh, as somehow that was somehow linked to holiness. Uh, uh, so we have a delightful guest, a wonderful conversation. Uh, listeners, you're going to love it. We'll be back in a minute on the Positive Sobriety Podcast. And welcome back to the Positive Sobriety Podcast. David, once again, you have cast the net wide and have managed uh, to contact a top speaker, a a guy who really has been making an impact and making a contribution in the world of recovery. Uh, Randy Havison, you want to go ahead and uh, tell us about our guest today? 
Yeah, I will. I, I think that, um, you know, it's, it's interesting because Randy is a, um, an author and a TED speaker. Um, he has some talks that you can access as well. Uh, he's a recovering person, uh, but he um, does a lot of work. Uh, and I want to I want to hear more from Randy about this, but about self-acceptance and the role that that plays in recovery and just in our lives in general, recovering and non recovering, so to speak, people may benefit from this conversation today because Randy has kind of um, found a way to attribute uh, our relationship to ourselves with what we are uh, willing to give ourselves permission to enter into, both either negatively or positively. Is that a fair uh, assessment, Randy? Well, you cannot see me over here shaking my head saying or nodding my head saying, yep, you got that right on. Exactly. Okay, well, good. You're you're nodding in the right direction, then. So. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Nodding, nodding, yeah. Okay, awesome. Well, that's that's great. Um, uh, Randy, thank you so much for joining us on the podcast. And our listeners don't know this, but we actually had an aborted attempt to uh, to record a conversation with you. Oh, maybe a couple of months ago, uh, technology got in the way. Uh, but I loved your attitude when it. You know, when everything went sideways, Randy, and we had to just abort and say, this isn't going to work, it didn't ruffle you. You just kind of rolled with what was. You had the greatest attitude. Well, uh, is that is that part of the fruit of recovery? Yeah. I mean, that's that's totally what, what recovery is all about. I mean, how many times do we mess up with something or something doesn't go our way? I mean, we can either let it sidetrack us or keep us down or we just accept it as a part of life and move on <laughs> isn't that it that's wonderful yeah that is that's great um so randy a lot of times with our guests we um we like to know a little bit about them and their story and kind of how they got here because i know you didn't just probably start out, you know, uh, writing great books and giving great talks and <laughs> putting things together for uh, people to help them without going through some real shit yourself. So um, what what uh, was your story? Oh, let's see. I'll, I'll give you the abbreviated version. So I grew up in a family system where I had pretty much everything I could possibly want. And I took advantage of everything of every mm. opportunity, of everything that I had. And on the outside, it seemed I had everything. But on the inside, I felt like I was nothing. Mm. Uh, and it was always that not good enough type of feeling that I had. You know, I compared myself to the people who were doing better than I was in school. And, and they were great. And I was stupid. Or I'd go out for the sports team. And there were guys who were better than me. And I thought, God, I can't do that right either. Um, I would play drums and then I'd listen to John Bonham and I'd go, oh my God, I, I suck as a drummer. So I always compared myself to other people and came up short. So mm. when alcohol and marijuana and cocaine came along, it shut up those voices and I finally felt like I could do something and I didn't care what anybody else thought. Mm. And I used to the point where I became addicted Never planned to be an addict when I was starting out. And that's one of my messages when I speak to high school students and college students. No one plans to be an addict. But <laughs> if you use, there's always that possibility. Mm -hmm. So it got to a point for me where um, I was 24 years old. I got kicked out of college for the second time. I got fired from my job delivering pizza uh, I was down to, I know, right? Yeah. I was down to 135 pounds and it's like, I can't do this anymore. And I thought I just need to check out. So I was on the verge of committing suicide. I had the knife in my hand and oh, yeah. I knew what the plan was. And all of a sudden it was like, what are you doing? Mm. And I realized at that moment, that was my bottom where I realized I didn't want to die. I just didn't want to live that way anymore. And I didn't know how not to. Yeah. So I find, I reached out for help. I called a hotline. And I truly believe the woman who answered the phone that night, she saved my life. Wow. Mm. And that's why, you know, whenever I go to college campuses and I speak to peer educators or I talk to people who volunteer in different situations, I always say, don't think that what you do doesn't make a difference. 
because you never know when you're going to be there for that person and you're going to help them make that shift so that they're going to be able to start putting their lives back together again. So that's why, you know, I love getting into the 12 step programs and learning that a lot of it was based in service. And, and that's kind of what I've based my, my recovery on. It's about being of service and, and living that attitude of gratitude, no matter what kind of shit is going on in my life, what can I be grateful for today? Mm-hmm. You know, whether it's, I just had a meal, I have a roof over my head, I have shoes on my feet, you know, life is good because there are a lot of people right now who don't have it that good that there's always something to be grateful for. So, you know, that was my journey and my bottom back in 1984. Uh, that night was the last night I used cocaine. 11 days later, I had my last drink because, of course, you know, I'm a cocaine addict, but I'm not an alcoholic. <laughs> uh-huh. Until I went out on May 27th with the intention of having two drinks, but ended up drinking all my money away and woke up on the 28th and went, ah, shit. Yeah, yeah. I'm an alcoholic too. Yeah, <laughs> that was it. So yeah. May 28th, 1984, is my sobriety date, and you know I've had rough times. I've been tempted. I've had that feeling of you know screw it before, but yeah. Yeah. you know my sponsor told me really early on there's no problem I could have in my life that drugs and and alcohol wouldn't make worse. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 Well, Randy, where did you begin to connect the dots uh, so that you came to these conclusions about not only what helped you, but what might be helpful to other people with this area of our relationship to ourselves and our behaviors? Yeah. Oh, great question. Oh, my God. I love this question. What I learned early on is I would watch people when they shared at meetings and I'd see people that had 10 years, 15 years, 20 years. And while they would spew these words, you know, quoting pages from the big book and, but I would look at them and the way they live their lives. And I'm like, I don't want that. Mm -hmm. And I looked at the difference between those who had that message that I wanted or that attitude that I wanted and those who didn't. And what I found is that there was a huge difference between ego and self-esteem. Oh, that uh, ego, oh. ego is that image that we put out to other people. I can quote, you want to know what the third line is of page 32 of the big book? It is, and they can spew that. Right. You know, I'm I'm sponsoring 27 people. Oh, yeah, I'm sponsoring 28. <gasps> oh, my God, I have to find somebody else. <laughs> you know? so it's all that outside, how we look to other people, whereas self-esteem is how we feel about who we are. You know, how do you feel about that person looking back at you in the mirror in the morning? Yeah. So I realized that that's the huge difference. And I started to put this whole concept together that, you know, we treat ourselves horribly. The way we talk to ourselves is not the way that we would talk to our best friend. Right. And I realized that the whole point of this recovery thing is to start becoming our own best friend rather than our own worst enemy. And if I make a mistake, I say, hey, I made a mistake. I'm really sorry. It was not my intention to hurt you. Yeah. Rather than, oh, I need to cover it up and I can't look bad. And what are people going to think if I, no. So while our, while our society tells us that ego and self-esteem are the same thing, that if we have all this sobriety time, it means that we have positive self-esteem. Or if we have the right number on a scale or live in the right zip code, that gives us more worth. What I've come up with is that ego and self-esteem are actually on opposite ends of a continuum. That when we wow. reinforce our ego, we're denying our self-esteem. When we work towards building our self-esteem, it has nothing to do with ego at all. Mm. So it's about shifting the way that we talk to ourselves, that we treat ourselves. You know, you guys, do you know if I drive a 2001 beat-up Honda Civic or a brand new Lexus ES? And mm. does it really matter? Mm-hmm. No. No. We, never, yeah. we didn't ask you that question when we invited yeah. you. So, yeah, yes. exactly. It's about the message. It's not about that outside stuff. Right. You know, it, so that's what I love to turn people on to. It's the difference between being sober and being in recovery. Yeah. yeah. Well, Randy, how do you help people um, distinguish between self-esteem and pride? 
Mm. Because I deal with people every day as well. And I have folks that have a, have a, they have a fear relationship with, with self-esteem because they're afraid they're, it's going to result in this proud, cocky, obnoxious person. And so when you talk to them about having a good relationship with themselves and, 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 you know, if, if the other version of you is sitting at the other end of the couch, you wouldn't spend any time with them because they're so critical and, um, mm-hmm. and self, uh, deprecating, but, but how do you help people bridge that understanding between what we're talking about with self-esteem and, and it uh, dragging them over the line into some kind of proud asshole. (laughs) Yeah. Well, you know, building self-esteem is a process. It's not like you flip a switch and all of a sudden you have positive self-esteem. I mean, it takes time. It takes practice. It takes patience. It's like training to run a marathon. You know, at first we walk around the block and then we can jog a mile and then we can run three miles and we work our way up to it. But it's recognizing when our ego is starting to take over. And pride is definitely a tool of ego. And there's a difference between being cocky and being confident. Uh-huh. Yeah. Cocky is, oh, people are going to think I'm really cool. Confident is I feel really solid with, with this aspect of who I am. Mm-hmm. So there's a difference between the two. Another huge difference, especially in recovery, is the difference between humility and humiliation. Uh, yeah. Humiliation is the work of the ego. Oh, my God, what are people going to think of me? What's this going to say about me? Whereas humility is, wow, I really blew it. What can I do to learn from this so it doesn't happen again? Mm-hmm. Do you see the, those are the differences? Yeah. So in building self-esteem, what I have people do, and in fact, I have a workshop that's online and I actually made it free. Um, I was actually on a podcast and I was talking to the host and I said, you know, if I had my choice of helping a million people or making a million dollars, I'd rather help a million people. Right. So I thought, let me walk my walk. <laughs> and <laughs> I took my workshop and just put it on YouTube and I put it on my website for free. Wow. Beautiful. Yeah. And, and it's all about building self-esteem mm-hmm. and, and the tools that people need to fill that toolbox in order to feel better about who they are and where they fit in the world. So the first thing is to recognize where you are on that continuum of ego and self-esteem. And when I was early in my recovery, I was huge on the ego side. I was all about, look at me, I got my 90-day chip. Mm -hmm. But I realized that that's not what it's about. And through the course of my recovery, I've, I've moved down that continuum, you know, still to this day, I don't have perfect self-esteem. I don't know if I ever will. That's not the goal. The goal is to just be one notch further tomorrow than I was today. Mm-hmm. So that's the whole goal. You know, it's progress, not perfection. Perfection is another tool of the ego. If it's not perfect, it's shit. Right. And, and that's not the way it is. It's all somewhere in the middle. Mm, right. Mm, well, mm. and what you're talking about, Randy, it sounds like we've got more permission to fail in a way, um, you know, because the all or nothing thinking keeps us sick. Exactly. Yes. And, and the whole point of recovery is learning how to get back up. You know, one of my favorite sayings, it's an old Japanese saying, um, fall down seven times, stand up eight. Mm, yeah. That's good. It's not about how many times you, you know, we learned this from Captain Marvel. I'm a huge Disney and Marvel fan. Uh You know, Captain Marvel finally came to her epiphany when she realized it wasn't about how many times she fell down. It was about how she got up stronger. So that's why if people relapse, you can either let it get you down or you stand back up. Uh You know, there's no shame in that. The shame comes from what we do to ourselves. You know, you get applause when you go back to a meeting and say, hey, I had five years and I slipped. Hey, man, well, I'm glad you're back. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Not, oh, my God, I can't believe you did that. What were you thinking? How could you throw away five years like that? I mean, we wouldn't say that to somebody. So why do we say that to ourselves? Right. Right. Yeah. 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 Randy, I remember that uh, an early sponsor of mine helped me when I was doing a, a fourth step to identify really my major uh, character defect as pride. And I was a 
you know, just big performer, you know, determined to set the land speed record for recovery and putting on the best show I possibly could. And so he assigned to me uh, a daily reading of the seventh step, this chapter seven in the 12 and 12. Mm-hmm. It starts on page 70 and ends on page 77. Um, uh, but in my twisted way of thinking back then, I interpreted for a while uh, humility as kind of this uh, humiliation, this self-abnegation, this self-hatred, really. And I remember then doing this exhaustive four-step with another guy, a, re- a recovering alcoholic. And that fourth step really amounted to a federal indictment of me as a human being. <laughs> and it was absolutely merciless. Uh and, uh, you know, I was, I led myself really to, to execution, really. I was, I got done and the guy looked at me and he smiled and he just said, well, I suppose that what you said is probably a lot of that's true. It'd be nice if you could say it without all that shame. Hmm. Wow. Uh, wow. Yeah. Um, yeah. Th- and that to, 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 to learn how to kind of look at ourselves and smile indulgently and lovingly the way a parent will, who can never hate a kid, us, a son or a daughter, no matter how much they screw up. Yes. Right. I know that as a father, but to be that way with myself, I got, I've got to tell you, uh, uh, I'm much better at it today than I was 20 years ago, but it still is a challenge. Sure. Those old tapes, aren't they? They're uh, you know, they they don't want to they don't want to wind down. Exactly, and and but the trick is now you recognize it sooner. Yeah, and then you can do something about it. Mm-hmm. You know, we don't sweep it under the carpet anymore. We look at it, and and if we want to discard it, or we clean it up and put it back on the shelf. Yeah. So that's the whole trick is to not get into that shame circle that just spinning around and it doesn't go anywhere. Yeah. I realized really, I think Randy, when I got into recovery that I was as addicted to my shame as I was Um, my uh, drug of choice. You know, I only felt, I only felt right when I felt wrong. (laughs) <laughs> you know, uh, I only felt good when I felt bad because to feel, to, to, to feel good, I didn't have permission to feel good. Mm-hmm. You know, I didn't deserve to feel good. I didn't, I, I knew what I had done. I knew what I was doing. I knew, you know, the lies I was telling and the, you know, the sham that I was, uh, a part of. And I, I didn't deserve to feel okay. And man, if I had a day where I was starting to enjoy something, I would, find a way to screw it up royally real fast, you know? Um, so uh, how do you, how do you help people uh, come to grips with their shame? Again, it's a process. It's, it's not going to heal overnight and it's becoming aware of when it's starting to poke its head up and then building tools to kind of discard that and let it go. Um, one of the things that really helped me was when I came to an understanding of what my higher power was all about. Mm-hmm. You know, that was a huge thing for me because, you know, I had a really tough time with the whole God concept mm-hmm. when I first got sober because if there was a God up there, he saw what I did and he's not going to want to have anything to do with me. He's going to set me up and then knock me down to being absolutely nothing. Mm-hmm. And that's what I deserve. Mm-hmm. But I came to realize that God is more of this energy that's out there. And if I put a face to it, the face that I put to it was my grandfather, mm-hmm. who was always there to love me and guide me and give me a hug when I was crying. And I still remember that smile on his face. When I'd be sitting on his knee and he just would tell me these stories and just the smile. So every time I mess up, every time I do something that I feel used to feel ashamed for, but now just feel bad about, I would just picture him smiling at me saying, hey, it's going to be okay. In the whole of your life, this is not that big of a deal. Don't make it bigger than it is. You're going to be okay and you'll come through this. Mm. So I used that voice and him as my higher power 
to kind of get through it. Whenever I would go to beat myself, I, I picture what would he say to me? Yeah. And that's my higher power, that that part of self. You know, it's funny. I, I I really learned about higher power through my rabbi, who I went to see when I was about 90 days sober. And this is a man who knew nothing about recovery. And yeah. he actually escaped the Nazis in World War II. And he and his brother needed food. So they left this little shack where they were staying. And his brother said, OK, I'll go right and you go left. And they left on these paths to go find food. And about 300 yards down, he heard a gunshot, looked, and his brother was killed by the Nazis. Oh, And he realized how easy it would have been to be that, to take that path rather. So he knew that he wanted to devote his life to God. If he survived and he did, he became a rabbi. And I went to him and I said, you know, I'm an addict and I'm in this recovery program and they want me to believe in a higher power in God. And I just don't know how to do that. He said, Randy, for now, just take God and put him on the shelf over there. You talk about a higher power. He said, inside of you, there are two parts to who you are. There's this part of you that does drugs and you hate yourself and you do horrible things to yourself and other people. And there's this other part of you that is loving and caring and giving you. You want to be sober and you want all these good things for yourself. You're a good person. For a long time, that addiction side has been the higher of the two powers inside of you. Mm. And now it's time to turn that around and make that other side your higher power. That yeah. part of you that wants to be good and decent and help others, make that your higher power. Mm. It was like, wow. Oh, yeah, that's, blew my that's mind. wonderful. Yeah, yeah. Wow. Changed my life. Yeah. So, hey, Randy, that, I, oh, go ahead. Yeah. No, no, no. Go ahead. So I have to ask, you kind of have the long view on recovery and you've seen a lot of growth and change in your own life. You also have seen a lot of change in society since 1984. Oh, yeah. Uh, and you are still in regular contact with uh, the coming generation. So you're talking to high school and college kids. Mm hmm. Um, are you seeing any trends in addiction and recovery uh, and spiritual hunger and spiritual desperation and all that kind of stuff that are kind of sticking out to you? Are, are you noticing anything that's that's uh, worthy of comment? Um, that no one has asked me that question. And I'm so glad you did, because yeah. I think this is a commentary on our society today. Um, a couple years ago, we moved to Orlando. I'm a huge Disney fan. I, I uh -huh. found Disney when I was in recovery. And I remember I was probably nine months sober and I walked down Main Street at Disneyland and went, oh, yes. <laughs> and it opened up this whole new world to me. And we decided to get out of Southern California. We moved here to Orlando. And it's amazing how many people are on the monorail. Uh, going from, you know, Epcot to Magic Kingdom and their nose is down in their phone. Uh -huh. yeah. Or they're walking around the Magic Kingdom and they're looking at their Mickey Mouse is waving to them and their nose <laughs> is in their phone. Yeah. And yeah. So I'm noticing that online culture, you know, this is a new technology for us still. Yes. And we don't know how to navigate it. You know, like any new technology. It's like a double-edged sword. You know, when the car first came out, you know, what a great mode of transportation, but because the roads still weren't good and brakes probably weren't what they were, I'm sure there were a lot more deaths on the highway then than there yeah. are now. Right. So it was a new technology. And now I'm going to stick with my horse. That's going to be a lot safer for me. Yeah. And then we learned how to modify our society to the new technology. And I look at cell phones and computers the same way. But, you know, thank God this last year for Zoom and for yeah. more podcasts and, and things like that. That's how we're doing meetings. This is how we're doing recovery now. So I'm so grateful for the technology, but we have to be careful how we use it. So I'm watching a lot of the, the kids these days, they have their nose in their phones and they're missing a lot of what's going on around them. Yeah. So that's one of the things that I see, you know, when I do a presentation at a high school or a college, it's kind of cool that I watch them at the beginning and, you know, the person gets, please put your phones away. 
and they just put them down. And then I'll talk for a few minutes and I see them get out the phones. And the ultimate compliment for me is they go from being on their phone to holding it up and now they're recording my presentation. Yeah. And it's like, yes, I gotcha. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, that's one of the main differences is the the way that people connect. It's different now than it was before. And and it, and if uh, if it is true that the opposite of addiction uh, uh, is is connection, yeah, then um, you know, looking at the world through a window uh, that's not a door, it's a window. This uh, you know that you can carry around in your hand. Uh, these relationships that uh, you know that 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 with, without an honest, authentic connection are leaving us more isolated and therefore more vulnerable to addiction. Uh, would you say that's true? Do you think addiction is on the rise? Uh, it, at, partly due to, in fact, uh, due to the presence of the new technology? Mm, I, you know, it's hard to tell these days because we're in the middle of this pandemic. Yeah. Oh, um, yeah. And I definitely know that over the past year, addiction levels are out the roof. Yeah. Um, you know, people can't go outside, so they're like self-destructing inside. Right. And uh-huh. they don't know what to do with themselves. You know, oh, I'm bored, so I'll just drink. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. boredom is another tool of the ego. Right. Mm. So, Ooh. you know, the wor- boredom is about expecting the world to entertain you. Wow. Oh. You know, I, I'm never bored. Never, never, ever bored. There, I could, I have, thir- uh, right now, I'm looking at 30 books on my bookshelf that I can read. Um, I can send an email to a friend that I know is struggling. I can go watch TV for a little while. I can wow. go swimming. I can go for a walk. I can go to Disney for the day. Well, I don't know if I can get a reservation today. But <laughs> I mean, there are always so many things that I can do that to just sit here and say, I'm bored. No, 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 no. The world is not here to entertain you. It's about getting up, putting, you know, doing the footwork to go do something that's fun for you. That's fantastic. I have never heard that before. That is freaking revolution. Boredom (laughs) is expecting the world to entertain me. Yeah. Yeah. Damn, that's great. Okay. Thank you. Thank you, thank you. Yeah. All right. Seriously, because that was one of the price of admission, right there. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> the, price, the price of the podcast. <laughs> uh, but that's that's great. That's I mean, seriously, that is really good because um, you know, in our active addiction, um, you know, I would blame boredom, but I sought opportunity to be bored so that I could act out or use or whatever. Yes. Yeah. And that's that spiral, that circle that we get caught in is we, you know, it's this perpetual, the shame circle, you know, it's, we, we have this thought, we act on it, we get high, we feel like shit, we beat ourselves up. So what do we do? We get high Mm -hmm. and then we get high and we come down and then we feel like shit and then we beat ourselves up and then we feel shame. And how do we get over that? We get high. And it's just that circle that needs to be broken. Mm -hmm. Wow. So good. That is so good. good. Yeah. Well, um, Randy, just on a, um, as we're wrapping up, we always give, um, and we're not done, but, uh, but we always, I don't want to forget to do this. We always give our guests opportunities to tell people how to connect with you, uh, to talk about your books, to talk about your, uh, your website. You had a, you had mentioned that your course, uh, on the self-esteem issues are uh, free. And so tell us how to connect with you and how to access what you uh, are bringing to the world these days. Sure. Really, really simple. My website is randyspeaks.com. R-A-N-D-Y-S-P-E-A-K-S.com. And my workshop is there in the shop section. Um, My book is there. Uh, I also have a number of products. I have t-shirts that I've created. One of them says, love yourself. One of them, says best friend with an arrow pointed up. <laughs> <laughs> nice. <laughs> nice. Yes. I have another one that says I am E N U F. I am enough. Yeah. Um, but the biggest one that I really want to get this message out there, I realized that if you put the word we over the word me, the W and the M are mirrors of each other. 
Uh-huh. So it's me and then I put a line and then me underneath. It's about we over me. Mm. Me is all about the ego. What about me? Mm-hmm. You know, we watched ego running rampant yesterday in our, yes, in we our did. capital. Yeah. 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 When we get into the we part, we learn that in recovery, it's about service. You know, you guys do this podcast for the we. Yeah, we do. Mm -hmm. We do this together. So we need this message in our society of we over me. Right. Yeah. So I made that T-shirt and it's a great conversation start. I'll be walking around the neighborhood. People are like, what's that T-shirt? We, me. I'm like, no, we over me. Self-esteem over ego. That when we take care, I wear a mask because I want to protect you. That's the we. The me is I don't need to wear no mask. It's just like the flu. This thing doesn't really exist. Mm -hmm. Yeah. No, we over me. So that's the main message that I want to spread out there through everything that I do. So, you know, I have T-shirts and my workshop helps with that in the books. And everything I'm doing is to help people feel better about who you are so that you can be a more positive member of society. You know, Bill W said it. He said, you know, the goal of this program is to help people be uh, successful, productive members of society. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You know, they didn't mean for people to have 20 years sober and sit in seven meetings a week. Right. You know, live your life. Yeah. Stop it. Yeah. Yeah. They're as addicted to AA as they were to their drug. And I know you feel safe there, but there's a whole new world out there. You know, I live in this neighborhood here. Maybe three of my neighbors know that I'm in recovery. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It just doesn't come up. Mm -hmm. So, you know, it's just my, my recovery is my life now. And, and I've kind of incorporated it. And when something happens, like, Ooh, I need to do a four step on that. Like yesterday I did a presentation for a rotary chapter and it was horrible. It might have been (laughs) one of the worst presentations I've ever done in my whole life. (laughs) And I wrote to them this morning and I said, I want to apologize. I I feel like I didn't give you a hundred percent. I didn't give you even close to my best. And if this was a paid presentation, I would have given you your money back. Wow. Mm -hmm. So I want to apologize for that. Um, You know, I I got three hours of sleep the night before. I'm having some shoulder issues that I'm in physical therapy for, and it wakes me up pretty much every night. And and I just, the talk was at seven o'clock in the morning. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And and I just was not on. So I felt like I needed a call and just apologize for not giving them my best. Yeah. And there was no shame in that. I didn't beat myself up for it. It's just, hey, I'm really sorry that you gave me this time and and I wasn't at my best. So Mm -hmm. I'm happy to do another one. Or if there's something else that I can do for your chapter or or during one of your service projects, I'd love to do that for you guys. Mm. So it's just being accountable and and not putting this perfection tag on everything that I do Mm -hmm. um, and just being the best version of myself today. That's Mm -hmm. it. Yeah. Well, Randy, I, um, I love the, the we over me because I, as you were talking about that, I, I had this kind of, uh, I I connected a dot, a couple of dots um, that I think one of the things that's disturbed me so much about this COVID pandemic in our culture right now, and I'm not trying to be political because we don't, get political, uh, on the program, but, but I will say one of the things I think that, um, COVID has revealed, cause it doesn't really bring anything with it. It just reveals what's already there, um, is the egocentric culture that we live in. And we all know that, you know, in theory, but this has given us a really big opportunity to see it live and up close. Um, you know, I, I won't do this for you, even though it inconveniences, because it inconveniences me and, and even though it might benefit you, you know, um, I'm about to get the vaccine because uh, behavioral health uh, in our county is recognized as a, um, as part of the umbrella of uh, frontline workers, because we see people in person every day. And, um, and, and I still plan to wear a mask at, 
because a there's a lot of unanswered questions about whether I could still spread it or not, but b um, because of solidarity. I don't want to be the guy in the store that's like, hey, I've had a vaccine, leave me alone, I'm fine. I don't have a mask on, and I'm not trying to get mask. You know, I know people are going to go like, oh, good shit, here we go. But um, but I think what I'm saying is um, without digging a deeper hole <laughs> is that. Um, that that we are living in a time where all these things reveal something about us and i think in a in a nutshell it's ego oh totally oh 100% you know, and not to be political but you know from a public health situation or from a self esteem situation you know i'm not going to wear a mask they're uncomfortable I'm not going to work the first step. It's uncomfortable. <laughs> I'm not going to get a sponsor. It's uncomfortable. Right. Well, you know what? Get over yourself. Yeah. yeah. You know, we live in a society, the pandemic is real. Wear a friggin' mask. Right. You know, enough of your, you know, it's my right. No, it's our right as a society to protect ourselves and for right. you to do the right thing. Right. Right. Yeah. Man, this has been such a good and fun conversation, such a great conversation. Uh, you know, Randy Havison, I want our, our guests to be able to access your stuff. Uh, I know it's worthwhile and I know you're doing some great things and I'd love for them to be able to um, take part in what you're doing. I really appreciate you making time to be with us. Oh, are yeah. you kidding? I'm honored to be here. And if you ever, at the last minute, someone doesn't show or you need someone to to talk i am happy to, to come back and let's do this again uh, yeah i was about to say i get the feeling we could have talked for three or four hours so i was just going to ask you you know can we get you back so that's oh, great absolutely oh yeah awesome. because my calendar is so full these days <laughs> yeah yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Tomorrow. yeah. yeah. <laughs> exactly yeah i understand Oh, you know, and another thing, it's funny, my wife always reminds me to say this, and I, I don't, I'm also a certified life coach. So I work with people one on one. Um, okay. If you really want to get this stuff down and, and yeah. learn this, I'm happy to help them with it. Great. And of course, it's on a sliding scale. So if you're doing really well, you can pay me if you're not doing really well financially, then we can work something out. Wow. So, you know, I want to put that out there also that, but I'm only, I limit myself to only 10 clients at a time and mm -hmm. I have a 10 session maximum because mm -hmm. um, I don't want people to be dependent on me. I want them to learn the tools and then become dependent on themselves. Mm -hmm. um, so if that's something that could help people, I'm, I'm happy to do that as well. That's wow. awesome. Great that's to know. Great. Really good. Well, All right. you know this, every day is a gift. I should have been dead a thousand times. Mm. So <laughs> every day walking is a gift to be grateful for. And if I can help somebody else on their path, I'm happy to do it. That's, That's great. Awesome. That's awesome. Yeah. Well, uh, listeners, uh, I'm sure you enjoyed this conversation every bit as much as David and I have. Stick with us. We'll be back in just a moment on the Positive Sobriety Podcast. Welcome back to the Positive Sobriety Podcast. Nate, uh, Randy Hepson absolutely was a joy. Ah, what a delightful guy. I, I just I, enjoyed that conversation so much. Uh, yeah. So many good takeaways. Uh, and I don't know, maybe it's just coming from where I've been personally and things and my own story. And I know you relate as well to not having a comfortable relationship with self-esteem for most mm -hmm. of your life. And, yeah. um, you know, it, it really it it really hits me anew in this conversation how much we mistake our self loathing for uh, sincerity and repentance. Yes, and you know so many people or, in or, or even for humility. Oh yeah, yeah. I, I'll tell you what I learned modesty. What I learned was false modesty. <laughs> yeah, totally. Yeah. I learned false modesty. Which which masqueraded as humility, and I actually thought I had a reputation as a humble guy. Right. But beneath that veneer of false modesty was raging pride and self hatred. Yeah. Because was, I knew what a fraud I was. Right. It's like I think I look great, but I'm going to figure out a way to get you to tell me so. <laughs> <laughs> 
Yeah. And we'll call that humility. (laughs) But enough about me. What do you think about me? (laughs) Totally. Totally. (laughs) But we do. We we have these little, you know, these games that we've played um, with self-esteem. But I had a terrible relationship with confidence. That was just considered big-headed and pride and all that stuff. And um, and having a healthy relationship with yourself, not so that you can, uh, you know, gloat and lord over people, but so that you can serve them. You know, that I, I loved his his connections about ego and uh, the difference between ego and self-esteem. And I thought it was a great conversation. I did, too. I did, too. I'll be interested to hear uh, what what reaction our listeners have. We're mm. always you know, anxious for more feedback and you can reach us anytime. Just, just write down your thoughts, your reaction, positive, negative pushback, uh, or whatever you've got, send it to positive sobriety podcast at gmail.com. Right. And we don't want to forget to thank uh, BetterHelp.com for being a sponsor of the Positive Sobriety Podcast. And Mm -hmm. our listeners can access BetterHelp.com and get a a, a 10% discount on their first sessions. Uh, BetterHelp is an online um, therapy uh, service that you can access and have the same therapist or you can change if you're not feeling it's a good fit. And you can actually go on um, a virtual uh, therapy session, which right now comes in very handy uh, in the time that maybe everybody doesn't want to go sit in a waiting room or even be in a small space face-to-face with someone. So uh, BetterHelp.com allows you to have the opportunity to get out of stuck places. I know a lot of issues are coming to people in the pandemic. And so if you do BetterHelp.com slash positive sobriety, that's how you can access your discount and how we can know if the services that we're offering are helping you. So uh, BetterHelp.com. Thanks, David. Well, I think that about does it for this uh, first episode of 2021. I think we started out with a bang. I think we did. I'm excited. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, you've got a full slate of guests lined up. We've got uh, plenty more uh, helpful, inspiring, instructive episodes uh, coming up in the weeks ahead. We do. Our little break is over. So, <laughs> yeah, so I'm still uh, until next time then I'm Nate. I'm David. And we are your pals on the Positive Sobriety Podcast. The Positive Sobriety Podcast is recorded at Crossroads for the Nations in Brentwood, Tennessee. Live producer Rex Schnelli, music by Rex Schnelli, theme music by Matt Ulrich, uh, hair and makeup by Lyle Lovett, uh, wardrobe <laughs> by Kathy Gifford. 